Well, good morning. So nice to be here. I am Grandpa Steve, and I have the privilege of talking this morning with Savoj Kadakesh, who is our cross-cultural worker that we support and encourage working in the country of Hungary. And I had lunch yesterday with Sabolch, and he told me that he was a star in a movie. And I was like, a movie? About what? And he said, it was about my ministry. And it was unrehearsed, and the cameras just came in where I was working and were rolling. And I said, well, I got to see this. So I took Sabolch home, and then I put it up on my computer and about minute 48 came in this young woman for baptism and she came into the baptismal pool and Saboch is standing there waiting for her and gently begins to whisper in her ear and says do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and her, her face just kind of contorts a little bit, and she says, Egan, yes. And then he says to her, is your name written in the wounds on Jesus' hands? And she goes, Egan, yes. And now the tears are falling freely. And then he asks her, have you confessed the Lord Jesus Christ? And has he forgiven you of every sin, past, present, and future? And she says, Egan, yes. And then Sabolch takes her and into the water, dead, dead down, dead, and then resurrected, alive. And so you get to see a picture of what Jesus has accomplished in this young woman's life, dead, alive. She believes in the resurrection. Now the thing that you don't know, maybe, is that this young woman in her context of Europe has many different strikes against her. One, she's young. Two, she's a woman. Three, she's a Roma, what we would call a gypsy, a Roma from Roma ethnicity. And the society had abused this young woman so much that she decided that she would become a prostitute. She was exploited. But when she came up out of the water, there's a shot with her hands like this, and you can see that the chains have been taken off. And she's been revolutionized. She was dead, and now she's alive. Because those who wholeheartedly surrender to Jesus believe in the resurrection. Now, I want to contrast with her, this young woman, and our next slide, Aaron. I want to contrast that with a story that Jesus is recorded in, our, in, the, gospels that, uh, uh, in the Gospel of Mark. 
And so there were these religious leaders who came to see Jesus. They were the Sadducees. These were the priestly class, the, the, if you will, the Brahmins of the Jewish faith. They were the wealthiest, most powerful men in Judea at the time, in Israel. And they came to speak to Jesus. If you and I as ordinary people had been there in this conversation, we would have been there with our hands on our mouths. Because of the affluence and the power and the prestige of these men. The Sadducees. But look what it says. Who say there is no resurrection. And so they have a theological uh, point that they want to make with Jesus. Is there marriage in heaven? And Jesus responds. Next slide, Aaron. Jesus responds. He replied, are you the doctorates of Scripture, the theologians, are you not an heir? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Jesus, oh, you can't say that to these guys. But look what he says. Now, I've added the numbers. Those aren't there in the text. I've added those for us. So one, you do not know the scriptures. Here you are with all your education and all your studying, and you do not know the scriptures. Nor do you know the power of God. Because what happened is, in the scriptures it says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Not, I was, but those guys are dead now and psh, sayonara. I am the God of Abraham. I'm sorry, men, but you are badly mistaken. Now, contrast the two people. The young woman who is, by cultural standards, the lowest of the low. And these men who are at the principal, at the top, compare them. What's the difference? The difference is this. Those who wholeheartedly surrender to Jesus believe in the resurrection. Those who wholeheartedly surrender to Jesus believe in the resurrection. This young woman believed. These men, because of their power and their affluence and their prestige and their position, not surrendering into Jesus, no how, no way. In fact, we will be implicated in pursuing him to his death. We've got a really difficult ta uh, task this morning. We've got a passage to unpack. And the big idea today is those who wholeheartedly surrender to Jesus believe in the resurrection. Next slide. So your text is going to be in the Brown Bibles. It's on page 815. If you want to take and have a look at that. Next slide, Aaron. And we are going to sail through this passage. If you will take a moment to read it with me. Now, 
This is 1 Corinthians 15, 29 to 34. We're picking up. Uh, this is our third installment in talking about the resurrection from this chapter of 1 Corinthians. And there's some wild stuff in here. Some wild stuff. Now, Paul says, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death, death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. I fought with wild beasts in Ephesus, with more, no more than human hopes. What have I gained? If the dead are not raised, ha, let's eat, drink, let's be merry, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. And I say this to your shame. Wow, what a text for Mother's Day. <sighs> Why did I draw this one? Well, let's pray and let's ask Jesus for help. Lord Jesus, would you just lead... Lord, you can speak through Balaam's donkey. You can speak through me. And I just pray that you'd get me out of the way, that you would be honored and glorified. And you would help us to study this text and to pull out what you want to speak to our hearts. Prepare our hearts. Open our eyes and our ears. And we ask this for your namesake. Amen. All right, just a little bit of turn and talk time. There's the question at the bottom. What makes you curious or even startles you from this text? I'm only going to give you a couple minutes, so talk that through. If someone is sitting by themselves, please jump over to that person so that they have someone to turn and talk with, all right? Two minutes. just dying I'm just I'm so sorry my bottle is Okay, I got to ask you, what is the crazy stuff that you see in here? Just shout it out nice and loud for me. Crazy stuff that you see in here. Yeah, baptism for the dead. Oh, man. What does that mean? Oh, my goodness. Someone else. Other wild stuff in here? Yeah, party hardy, Marty. Let's go. Woo! Right? All right, what is that about? Oh my goodness. Good. Anything else? All right, well, let's race on.
Um, before we do, I wanted to say, uh, teach you one quick Hungarian word. The Hungarian word is actually an expression. It's hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. And what you do when you say hoo-ha is you say, oh my goodness. Oh my. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. Okay? Got it? Hoo-ha is, I'm not sure. Oh my. So let's look at our first hoo-ha, if you'll help me, Aaron. Hoo-ha, number one, people are baptized for the dead? What is that about? Well, as I, can talk, as I consulted different sources and different books and so forth, what I found again and again is the scholars aren't really certain of what we're talking about here. And so one of the things that we're looking at is people maybe who had died and then because of seeing how their life had been other people wanted to emulate their life and they saw maybe the hole that had happened within their community their faith community and so they wanted to step into that particular hole it wasn't so much that they were being baptized for dead people but they were being baptized as an honoring of those people who had gone before and they want to take their place. Let me give you some examples. Next slide. We've been talking about this young woman for the last several weeks, Jane Machuski, right? And she had a beautiful testimony that we learned about and we were moved by it. And then she died. And she leaves this big hole within the church of Jesus and so I can't sing like Jane can but I sure would like to step into and step out and be in that place and if Jesus could use me would he use me in such a way that my testimony would be like Jane's or um, Eugene Peterson one of my favorite authors he died in 2018 he wrote several books He's a wonderful scholar of Greek and Hebrew. I don't know Greek and Hebrew, but he's left a, a tremendous hole. I want to step into that. I want to step into what he's left behind. Could I be doing Greek and Hebrew like him? No, no way. But maybe Jesus would use me in a way that I could be used for him. Now, there are people from our own congregation that have gone before us. I think of Mary Gaynor. So many of you, I didn't know Mary personally, but many of you have shared with me of how influential her testimony was in your life. You're a believer in Jesus because of Mary. And she was a wonderful Bible teacher. But other, those of you who are influenced by you, her have stepped in and stepped out and tried to be, follow her example being used by Jesus, maybe not necessarily as a Bible teacher, but stepping into the hole that she left behind. And two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we buried Al Galovitz. We said goodbye. Al was a precious man I did know. And I loved his testimony. He was one who worked with the children. He worked in our hospitality team. He always had a joke and a smile. He was so gentle. And as I listened to the eulogies, 
I wanted to sign up again and say, oh, Lord, help me to be like Al. A good father, a good husband, someone who was a good employee. Into the hole left behind by Al. I want to step into that. I want to step into that. When our brothers and sisters who have this amazing example go on before us, we know and we trust they'll be resurrected. And we want to follow their good example. We want to step into it and step out. And what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, I applaud you because you want to follow hard. You want to be sacrificial for Jesus. You, by your life, by being baptized, show that you believe in the resurrection. They wanted to step in the gaps of the people who had gone before. Next slide. Our second hoo-ha, wild beasts. This whole series is entitled Fighting Wild Beasts. What on earth does that mean? So the text is this, verses 30 to 32. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers. Just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought with wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? Next, series, next slide. So let me ask you, what's it mean, the wild beasts? What are they? Is it the Roman authorities? Is it false prophets? Is it actual wild animals in the region, e.g. lions, tigers, and bears? Thank you. Or could it be the Jewish and Gentile antagonists in Ephesus who oppose Paul's claims about Jesus? Once again, when you consult with the scholars, they're not completely sure. Vine said it's ruthless people. Craig Keenan, he said it's difficult people. Let's look and see what Tom White Wright says. Next slide. Some Bible students have looked back to a hint in the first Corinthian letter where Paul describes himself facing danger every hour and even dying every day. If in human terms he says, I fought with wild animals at Ephesus, what use is that to me? He's speaking of the future resurrection and stressing that without that hope, there would be no point, no point in going through with what he was going through. And the wild animals are likely, here at least, to be a metaphor for the hostile reception he was by now well used to. He's positive about his present work in Ephesus. There are great opportunities, but there's also serious opposition. Next slide. But it looks as though that he describes as his boast of suffering was about to come true in ways and in depths he'd not expected. The best guess, again, it remains a guess, but it's the best one, is that Paul was imprisoned in Ephesus and put on trial for his life. 
And that made a perfect storm because it followed hard on the heels of a nasty shock from Corinth. The church there had turned against him. Wow. He's writing this letter from Ephesus and probably came under arrest, being attacked from all sides. And now look what Kenneth Bailey says. Next slide. Paul knows full well the risks he's taking in Ephesus. Any foreigner who would dare enter a city like Ephesus and preach a message undermining the financial security of the establishment would be in grave danger. This was particularly true when the patron goddess of the city was involved. Because of Paul's preaching, the goddess of the city was under attack and income from tourism. It was threatened. Who would complain if the corpse of the foreigner who was causing this disruption was dumped in the harbor some moonless night? Yet he is a Roman citizen and that would help him if he would, he made it to the courts. But what if he never got that far? Paul uses the language of the fights to the death with wild beasts in the arena to describe his struggles in Ephesus. Next slide. So what we find here is, I die every day. What Paul is saying is that he is doing in his heart, he is working on these attacks that are coming, people who are treating him in ungodly ways, and he responds to them godly. And so it's a constant work in his heart. He's fighting with himself because he wants to treat them. He wants to win them. He wants to draw them to Jesus. So he doesn't treat them like they're treating him. He doesn't act out of, from out authority. He treats them well. Every day he dies to self. Next slide. And notice that at the heart of this passage, in the middle of this text, Christ Jesus, our Lord. He wants to exalt Jesus. And then look also what he's saying about this. Those people that Tom Wright said had turned on him. Look what he's saying. I boast about you every day. I'm not treating you the way you treated me. I'm not rejecting you. I'm still, there's still a possibility of relationship. I boast on you every day. The work that Jesus has done in you, I boast on that. And so Paul is not acting like he's being treated. It's as if he was fighting all these different circumstances and situations coming through people like it was fighting with wild beasts. Next slide. And I'm sorry i got to pull this in. It just is extra, but what did Jesus say about himself? I am the resurrection and the life. Why did Paul make it central to his gospel? Why did he do that? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus saying this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, and every, he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I have to ask you today, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Next slide. Go to the next one. Our last hoo-ha, live for Christ. One of the challenges that was happening in the Corinthian church is notice the three steps here. Come back to your senses. 
the people were beginning to drift away. They were falling into sin. There were people who were among them that didn't even know God. And so we're ignorant of him. It's a slippery slope, Paul is saying. And he's saying your talk doesn't match your walk. It's hypocrisy. And as we've had this, been working through this book that we had from Julie Slattery, she talked about integration. Integration the walk with the talk so they match. And she says this about integration. Next slide. Integrity is such a struggle because we are naturally conflicted as human beings living in a fallen world. We believe, yet we lack faith. We affirm truth, but live in shades of it. Our conflicted nature makes us two-faced or splintered. We're hypocrites. We're hypocrites. Part of us wants to please God, and part of us simply wants to enjoy life. We have seasons of devotion and seasons of rebellion. We are driven both to seek healing and to stay comfortably stuck in our brokenness. I've identified conflicts that keep us from integrity. One is our natural selves versus our spiritual selves. We want to honor God, yet we're drawn toward selfish pursuits. Jesus' life demonstrates a complete integration, by contrast, a complete integration of God's will through wholehearted surrender. Wholehearted surrender. Those who wholeheartedly surrender to Jesus believe in the resurrection. It's not a double life. It's not talk without the walk. It's bringing that together. And I'd like to invite Sabots to come up and share with us and to give us another example of someone who we want to emulate who has the talk and who has a manifest the walk. Sabots, come on up. Hoo-ha. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great. Sabots, uh, I have continued to appreciate you and fall more in love with you because of your example. And so I'm glad for these questions to just have you talk a little bit about how the gospel and the resurrection inspires your work in Hungary. Thank you very much. God bless you, dear friends. It was so good to see uh, from behind also as you have arrived. And um, so most of the people think that they, they know Jesus, the story of Jesus. But uh, it is only words for them. And uh, so if you share the story of Jesus, that is the gospel, the main gospel. Uh, the first Christians, they ha hardly had any Bible. They had only some apostles who came to Greeks and, and Roma 
and started to tell that we saw Jesus Christ. He, he washed my feet. I saw as he, he said only two words that Lazarus, Lazarus come out and the dead was uh, risen. And they, they told the story and the story was enough for these people to turn to Jesus. They had nothing else. And they believed, the apostles, they believed that Jesus Christ was there and they will meet Jesus. Not because they have so much knowledge, but just because they, uh, because Jesus is, is, is there. Um, <clears throat> uh, my brother received Christ after me and uh, went to a, a small group that the youth leader led. And uh, they were praying at, at one occasion. They were praying together, and three of them, three boys, stood up. And they don't, did not know why they went out. This was the youth leader, the worship leader of the church, and the third was my brother. They went to another room, and there, uh, the reason Jesus Christ appeared for them. The, the, the youth leader, he said that he has fallen on faith. Uh, the worship leader, he, he said that he was crawling under a chair. <laughs> and, and my brother, he, he was hiding into a cupboard because uh, the presence of Jesus was so, so shining, so powerful and so beautiful that they, they did not know what to do, but it was their experience, uh, the reason Jesus Christ was the experience. And I, I, I shared such story at the Juvenile Detention Institute, and one, one girl told me that, oh, this happens only with those people. Uh, why don't I? experience Jesus and I told her you would like to meet Jesus let's pray and we prayed and uh, two weeks later I, I went in to lead a worship meeting and she just running to me and and she said that I saw Jesus I just saw him carrying the cross I was there and, and, and she said many details, that there were two stones, and I took those two stones. It, so it was so real for, for her as, as, as she, she saw Jesus. So Jesus Christ uh, is resurrected. It means that he is here. As he said, that I am with you until the end. Amen. Good. Samos, the young woman, the young women have been through much abuse and trauma and hardship. What in the gospel message awakens hope within them? Yes, my, my message for them, I, I stand, I, I cannot use this. <laughs> I'll stand too. Uh, my message for these girls is basically the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for you. You were born in a sinner uh, world. 
and you were abused, many of them by their fathers. You were left by your parents. And, uh, and so Jesus Christ died for you so that you would be healed in his wounds. He wants to heal you because of the sin of this world, you were hurted and hurted. And he died also that because of your hurt, you started to do things that even you hate. You started to be wild, hurting other people and using drugs and uh, making bad choices. And Jesus Christ died for you to forgive your sins and to heal you from sinning and to give you a new life. And as also tell them, it is the good news also that you, your life was going to the end, to, toward uh, death. And uh, because they feel that being there in this <coughs> juvenile detention place is the most terrible uh, event of their lives. And I tell them that, believe it, that God has stopped your life because your life was going to death, toward death. And God has stopped you and brought you here so that here you may think about you yourself and here you can meet Jesus Christ. Mm. And you may start to study, do your studies mm. And you may find a new life. And they start to receive hope that maybe this is not terrible that I am here. Maybe this is the will of God that I am here. So this is uh, good news. Yeah, good. Thank you. <laughs> Last, Samboch, how would you encourage us to live out the hope of the resurrection in our own context of here of West Bend in Washington County. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was watching people as, as you arrived, mothers, for instance. And it is the word that Jesus Christ told us, the risen Jesus, that I am with you always mm. until the end. And uh, this means that he is really with you as you raise your children. When you pray for your children, expect God to be with you. When you pray that let, let your kingdom come, expect the kingdom to arrive to your home, to the room of your teenage child. <laughs> Expect and pray, and, and, uh, and by faith you receive that he is with you. He, he is with you, the risen Christ, he is with you when you go to your work. He is with you when you, when you serve. Uh, sometimes when I go to this detention place or I lead a large camp, I feel myself very weak and not appropriate at all, at all. And uh, I just pray and I arrive 
and I see that there is many problems and mistakes and, and uh, they are quarreling with each other. And I just sit down and pray and start to sing with the girls. And at a certain point, I feel a warm something arriving. Mm. The Holy Spirit arrives. Mm. And uh, they change and Jesus Christ is there. And, and many times, especially when I felt so much weak, uh, I, they, at the end, they just come to me one by one, they hug me and they say that, thank you, Subwatch. Mm. It was so good, something happened. So he is with you. You do not need to be perfect. Thank you, Subwatch. So glad that you're with us today. Um, I'm going to just close in prayer yes, thank and you. Uh, actually ask you to close us in prayer. Thank you. Dear Jesus, I, we are here before you, Jesus, and we lift, we lift our eyes to you. Please help us to see you and have faith that you are way, way more than we can expect it. Mm. Let your kingdom come, dear Jesus. Yes. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. Let you come to the rooms of our children, to their school, Jesus, their dear Jesus, to, the, to our parents, uh, to our, our places. We, we believe, Jesus. We believe in you. Amen. Amen.